Chapter Eighteen of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Eighteen. I go away on service, am wounded and taken prisoner with O'Brien, diamond cut diamond between the O'Briens get into comfortable quarters my first interview with celeste and now i have to relate an event which young as i was at the time will be found to have seriously affected me in afterlife how little do we know what to-morrow may bring forth we had regained our station and for some days had been standing off and on the coast when one morning at daybreak we found ourselves about four miles from the town of set and a large convoy of vessels coming round a point we made all sail in chase and they anchored close in shore under a battery which we did not discover until it opened fire upon us the shot struck the frigate two or three times for the water was smooth and the battery nearly level with it the captain tacked the ship and stood out again until the boats were hoisted out and all ready to pull on shore and storm the battery o'brien who was the officer commanding the first cutter on service was in his boat and i again obtained permission from him to smuggle myself into it we ran on shore amidst the fire of gunboats which protected the convoy by which we lost three men and made for the battery which we took without opposition the french artillerymen running out as we ran in the first lieutenant who commanded desired o'brien to remain with the first cutter and after the armourer had spiked the guns as officer of the boat he was to shove off immediately o'brien and i remained in the battery with the armourer the boat's crew being ordered down to the boat to keep her afloat and ready to shove off at a moment's warning we had spiked all the guns but one, when all of a sudden a volley of musketry was poured upon us, which killed the armorer and wounded me in the leg above the knee. I fell down by O'Brien, who cried out, By the powers, here they are, and one gun not spiked. He jumped down, wrenched the hammer from the armorer's hand, and seizing a nail from the bag, in a few moments he had spiked the gun. At this time I heard the tramping of the French soldiers advancing, when O'Brien threw away the hammer and, lifting me upon his shoulders, cried, Come along, Peter Bamboy and made for the boat as fast as he could. But he was too late. He had not got halfway to the boat before he was collared by two French soldiers and dragged back into the battery. The French troops then advanced and kept up a smart fire. Our cutter escaped and joined the other boat, who had captured the gunboats and convoy with little opposition. Our large boats had carronades mounted in their bows and soon returned the fire with round and grape which drove the French troops back into the battery, where they remained, popping at our men under cover, until most of the vessels were taken out. Those which they could not man were burnt. In the meantime, O'Brien had been taken into the battery, with me on his back. But as soon as he was there, he laid me gently down, saying, Peter, my boy, as long as you were under my charge, I'd carry you through thick and thin. But now that you are under the charge of these French beggars, why, let them carry you every man his own bundle peter that's fair play so if they think you're worth the carrying then let them bear the weight of you as soon as our boats were clear of their musketry the commanding officer of the french troops examined the guns in the battery with the hope of reaching them and was very much annoyed to find that every one of them was spiked he looks sharper than a magpie before he finds a clear touch-hole i expect said o'brien as he watched the officer and here i must observe that o'brien showed great presence of mind in spiking the last gun for had they had one gun to fire at our boats towing out the prizes they must have done a great deal of mischief to them 
and we should have lost a great many men but in so doing and in the attempt to save me he sacrificed himself and was taken prisoner when the troops ceased firing the commanding officer came up to o'brien and looking at him said officer to which brian nodded his head then he pointed to me officer o'brien nodded his head again at which the french troops laughed as o'brien told me afterwards because i was what they called an enfant which means an infant i was very stiff and faint and could not walk the officer who commanded the troops left a detachment in the battery and prepared to return to set from whence they came o'brien walked and i was carried on three muskets by six of the french soldiers not a very pleasant conveyance at any time but in my state excessively painful however i must say that they were very kind to me and put a great coat or something under my wounded leg for i was in agony and fainted several times at last they brought me some water to drink oh how delicious it was in about an hour and a half which appeared to me to be five days at the least we arrived at the town of set and i was taken up to the house of the officer who commanded the troops and who had often looked at me as i was carried there from the battery saying pauvre enfant i was put on a bed where i again fainted away when i came to my senses i found a surgeon had bandaged my leg and that i had been undressed o'brien was standing by me and i believed that he had been crying for he thought i was dead when i looked him in the face he said peter you baste how you frightened me bad luck to me if ever i take charge of another youngster what did you sham dead for i am better now o'brien replied i how much i am indebted to you you have been made a prisoner in trying to save me i have been made prisoner in doing my duty in one shape or another i squeezed the offered hand of o'brien and looked round me the surgeon stood at one side of the bed and the officer who commanded the troops at the other at the head of the bed was a little girl about twelve years old who held a cup in her hand out of which something had been poured down my throat i looked at her and she had such pity in her face which was remarkably handsome that she appeared to me as an angel and i turned round as well as i could that i might look at her alone she offered me the cup which i should have refused from any one but her and i drank a little another person then came into the room and a conversation took place in french i wonder what they mean to do with us said i to o'brien whist hold your tongue replied he and then he leaned over me and said in a whisper i understand all they say don't you recollect i told you that i learnt the language after i was killed and buried in the sand in south america after a little more conversation the officer and the others retired leaving nobody but the little girl and o'brien in the room it's a message from the governor said o'brien as soon as they were gone wishing prisoners to be sent to jail in the citadel to be examined and the officer says and he's a real gentleman as far as i can judge that you're but a baby and badly wounded in the bargain and that it would be a shame not to leave you to die in peace so i presume that i'll part company from you very soon oh i hope not o'brien replied i if you go to prison i will go also for i will not leave you who are my best friend to remain with strangers i should not be half so happy although i might have more comforts in my present situation pater my boy i'm glad to see that your heart is in the right place as i always thought it was or i wouldn't have taken you under my protection we'll go together to prison my jewel and i'll fish at the bars with a bag and a long string just by way of recreation and to pick up a little money to buy you all manner of nice things and when you get well you shall do it yourself mayhap you'll have better luck as peter your namesake had who was a fisherman before you 
but somehow or another i think we mayn't be parted yet for i heard the officer who appears to be a real gentleman and worthy to have been an irishman born say to the other that he asked the governor for me to stay with you on parole until you are well again the little girl handed me the lemonade of which i drank a little and then i felt very faint again i laid my head on the pillow and o'brien having left off talking i was soon in a comfortable sleep in an hour i was awakened by the return of the officer who was accompanied by the surgeon the officer addressed o'brien in french who shook his head as before two other persons then came into the room one of them addressed o'brien in very bad english saying that he was interpreter and would beg him to answer a few questions he then inquired the name of our ship number of guns and how long we had been cruising after that the force of the english fleet and a great many other questions relative to them all of which were put in french by the person who came with him and the answers translated and taken down in a book some of the questions o'brien answered correctly to others he pleaded ignorance and to some he asserted what was not true but i did not blame him for that as it was his duty not to give information to the enemy at last they asked my name and rank which o'brien told them was i noble yes replied o'brien don't say so o'brien interrupted i pater you know nothing about it you are grandson to a lord i know that but still i am not noble myself although descended from him therefore pray don't say so bother pater i have said it and i won't unsay it besides pater recollect it's a french question and in france you would be considered noble at all events it can do no harm i feel too ill to talk o'brien but i wish you had not said so then they inquired o'brien's name which he told them his rank in the service and also whether he was noble i am an o'brien replied he and pray what's the meaning of the o before my name if i'm not noble however mr interpreter you may add that we have dropped our title because it's not convenient the french officer burst out into a loud laugh which surprised us very much the interpreter had great difficulty in explaining what o'brien said but as o'brien told me afterwards the answer was put down doubtful they all left the room except the officer who then to our astonishment addressed us in good english gentlemen i have obtained permission from the governor for you to remain in my house until mr simple is recovered mr o'brien it is necessary that i should receive your parole of honour that you will not attempt to escape are you willing to give it o'brien was quite amazed murder an irish cried he so you speak english colonel i'm of irish descent replied the officer and my name as well as yours is o'brien i was brought up in this country not being permitted to serve my own and retain the religion of my forefathers but to the question mr o'brien will you give your parole the word of an irishman in the hand to boot replied o'brien shaking the colonel by hand and you are more than doubly sure for i'll never go away and leave little peter here and as for carrying him on my back i've had enough of that already it is sufficient replied the colonel mr o'brien i will make you as comfortable as i can and when you are tired of attending your friend my little daughter shall take your place you'll find her a kind little nurse mr simple i could not refrain from tears at the colonel's kindness he shook me by the hand and telling o'brien that dinner was ready he called up his daughter the little girl who had attended me before and desired her to remain in the room celeste said he you understand a little english quite enough to find out what he is in want of go and fetch your work to amuse yourself when he is asleep celeste went out and returning with her embroidery sat down by the head of the bed the colonel and o'brien then quitted the room 
celeste then commenced her embroidery and as her eyes were cast down upon her work i was able to look at her without her observing it as i said before she was a very beautiful little girl her hair was light brown eyes very large and eyebrows drawn as with a pair of compasses her nose and mouth was also very pretty but it was not so much her features as the expression of her countenance which was so beautiful so modest so sweet and so intelligent when she smiled which she almost always did when she spoke her teeth were like two rows of little pearls i had not looked at her long before she raised her eyes from her work and perceiving that i was looking at her said you want something want drink i speak very little english no i thank ye replied i i only want to go to sleep then shut your eye replied she smiling and she went to the window and drew down the blinds to darken the room in the evening the surgeon called again he felt my pulse and directing cold applications to my leg which had swelled considerably and was becoming very painful told colonel o'brien that although i had considerable fever i was doing as well as could be expected under the circumstances but i shall not dwell upon my severe sufferings for a fortnight after which the ball was extracted nor upon how carefully i was watched by o'brien the colonel and little celeste during my peevishness and irritation arising from pain and fever end of chapter eighteen